Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Ethics and Law in Session, a podcast all about ethics and law brought to you by Aria Grace Law Firm. My name is Will, and I'm your host again for today. And today I have another very exciting guest, another partner from the firm, and I have the lovely Neve with me. Neve, how are you? I'm very well, thanks. Delighted to be on. <laughs> Delighted to have you today. So let's get straight into it, Neve. What attracted you to join Ari Grace Law to begin with? Well, uh, I found out from a friend of mine uh, that uh, Lindy was setting up a law firm and uh, she put me in contact with them and she said it was a different type of a law firm and I was looking for a, a new opportunity and when she said it, it's quite a different model she, she explained a little bit and I thought no that, that doesn't sound right that's a sort of this this charity law firm or what, what's it's not my area of law or I'll talk to the guy but and then I spoke to Lindsay and I was uh, blown away by the fact that somebody wants to create a commercial law firm, doing commercial law, as in my area of speciality, but with the profits going to charity or with trying to have a, an ethical model where it involved both um, environmental and charitable kind of goals in, in the law firm. Um, because in the past, I'm very much commercial end of law so I do competition antitrust law so it's 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 focused on on big firms um on commercial transactions and I've at times offered to do some pro bono work and mostly I've been pushed back going well your skill set isn't really in the pro bono field you can't really help very much with charitable work and suddenly this was a way of the day job actually helping out because uh, with, with you know, the profits going to charity, you feel like, oh, I can continue to do, you know, commercial work that pays the bills. And even in the day job, rather than just as kind of a, a sideshow, kind of trying to do or contribute to charities, feel like, oh, well, in, in my daily life, I can actually, you know, forward an ethical project or to, to put forward that ethical goals. So, yeah, that's... Lindsay blew me up. I blew me away with his explanation of of Aria Grace Law. I was really impressed, and um, I signed up. <laughs> yeah, he uh, he gave us the pitch uh, when we interviewed <laughs> him on the show. It was uh, I was convinced. So, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I thought I, I, he was mad. I was like, this this can't work. This can't. Is really a commercial firm that gives us office charity, and then yeah, I was just sucked in. It was like, wow, <laughs> this works, and it does. <laughs> doesn't stop yeah. you doing commercial work it's and why not yeah yeah no exactly and you, you brushed there on there briefly Neve, about your kind of legal background and your areas of expertise but uh, please could you go into more detail on that for us okay um my area of expertise is an area called competition law uh, in in the u.s it's called antitrust law and it's a law that prohibits anti-competitive behaviour on the market. So the law is, is UK law and also EU law on this, but most, most uh, jurisdictions have a form of this law that normally prohibits anti-competitive agreements like cartels that rate prices between companies, but also other types of anti-competitive behaviour where a, a big firm abuses its position on the market and has the sort of behaviour to exclude its rivals by you know, predatory pricing or undercutting them. And competition also includes merger control. So looking at how merging firms and how that's going to affect the market. So that's the, the area of law um, I'm 
I've been in for the last 20 or so years. I was initially in a law, in law firms in, in Brussels and then in London, because a lot of competition all came from the EU. Now, after Brexit, it'll be in the UK, the CMA will have much more of a role in merger control. Uh, but I worked, after the, being in law firms, I worked in-house. So I've worked in British Telecom, I've worked in Apple, I've worked in Free Mobile. So I've tended to go in-house and come, um, come back again in law firms. And that's kind of meant that the sort of competition that I do has been very tech focused. So it started in, in the law firm I was in in Brussels, uh, Bird and Bird. It was a tech focus anyway, and that just tended to be over the course of my career. It was just really interesting and developing and, and it just turned out to be yeah the right fit for me. Uh, it definitely sounds interesting, uh, especially to me as someone who's studied that <laughs> in the past. And I actually just wanted to ask you, you mentioned kind of one of the elephants in the room at the moment, you know, Brexit. <laughs> and I just thought it'd be interesting to hear from your point of view, you know, what are the kind of, what are you seeing at the moment? You know, what Brexit has caused in this kind of area? Are you, you know, are you really seeing a rift kind of develop between obviously the existing laws in the EU and what the CMA will now kind of be shifting into in this post-Brexit relationship? I, uh, what I've seen so far, there's a lot of guidance coming through from the Competition and Markets Authority, the CMA in the UK. And up to now, it's been kind of this harmony uh, between the EU and UK law. And it's not that UK law is going to spin out completely differently, but it's just that the CMA, when it comes to mergers, if they go over a certain size or affect a certain number of countries, they normally went straight to the European Commission. And now those will stay with the UK authority and the Commission will still do its, its review separately. So I think there'll be an increase in the sort of merger so that will have to be notified or the mergers that will be reviewed in the UK. And uh, I think also the normally there was this kind of cooperation when it came to to publication of guidance for example on how to tackle you know the big tech companies and that was being driven by the European Commission and the UK it doesn't have any very different ideas it's not that it's, it's there's a rift but it is independently you know adopting instruments to deal with the major tech companies so um, the CMA is is doing that review in in the last year or so as the commission was doing but, you know, we'll have our own versions of things that, that the European Commission is publishing that are inevitably going to be different. So I think it's not like a rift, but I think over the course of time, there'll be an evolution and, and the UK might, you know, develop its competition more a bit differently. But, you know, for the moment, no, may, probably more work for the UK authority, I suppose, is, is what's going to happen in the short term. And then perhaps uh, different developments as well. Thank you for that answer. Uh, definitely interesting to hear from an expert <laughs> such as yourself. And please t tell us now, you know, kind of, why did you choose this area of law to begin with? What kind of draw you to it initially? Ah, well, I was interested in, in initially in studying EU law. So I went to Belgium to do um, a master's in EU law and then got work experience in a Brussels law firm, an English law firm in Brussels. And the area of law that I was being introduced to was, was, was competition law, because that was a big part of their practice, um, and involving telecoms companies. There was liberalisation in the telecom industry when I was doing my work experience. And it was really kind of an exciting time. It's a type of law that mixes economics with law. So it wasn't 
uh, it felt like it was an area of law that was moving and developing and changing all the time even when I was starting off uh, so that it was you know from one year to the other it was like oh well there's new cases that have developed this law in this way and I love the mix of economics as well because the same behavior depending on your market share and your market position uh, can be extremely anti-competitive or if you're a tiny minnow in the market you're fine if you try and price fix or 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 rig the, uh, rig the market in some way, you're never, never going to have an effect if you're less than 1% market share. So um, yeah, I just found that it was, it was more exciting as well, I thought, than, than other areas of law, because there's huge fines involved, if you get it wrong. So <laughs> it tends to be, wow, headline driven as well. I mean, it can, if it's an investigation in competition law, most companies take it very seriously. And the same with merger control. If they're, they're merging parties, they have to take the notification, they have to notify them. So yeah, I found it, yeah, it was really, really interesting area and something that keeps moving. I still feel that it's something I learn every day. Yeah, I've, uh, I've seen on the news before, you know, Google, Microsoft, big fine billions by the commission. And you think, oh, wow. It's a very law that does make the headlines. And also that makes you kind of question uh, the role of the firm and, and the effect on, on the economies and national markets and businesses. So it's not just someone signed a contract somewhere. It's like, well, that has an effect, a ripple effect on the whole economy. And especially for the tech giants and the platforms, which is what the competition authorities are now looking to, to attempt to regulate much more. Mm, yeah, I've certainly noticed uh, the kind of pick up in that in the last kind of 10, 15 years. They've definitely gone for those tech firms a lot harder. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Earlier, Neve, you mentioned about what attracted you to Aria Grace to begin with and the model that you know we have here and given that the model of Aria Grace was created for the future generation I, I wanted to ask you know kind of what advice have you got for the future generation at the early stages of their career I mean it's even more kind of important now with the other elephant in the room which is obviously the COVID pandemic and how that's you know really affecting everyone, especially kind of the new generation of lawyers that are coming through right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I, I don't think, I, I think they're facing really difficult circumstances, uh, this generation who are coming on stream um, in their careers. So I suppose I've no magic formula, but what I would say um, for anyone um, who's qualifying or even doing their law degree or, or I would really encourage them to um, try and go, try and get as much experience, even if it's temporary, in a company where you're with the legal team and you're actually on the receiving end of legal advice from law firms. And you also have to work with a business team to put the legal advice into, in practice. So it's not like this is the most beautifully written memo. It's like, well, how does the operations team do it? What does the marketing team say to the customer? You know, what's the customer journey? All the kind of implementation that if you're, if you're in a law firm, you don't actually see the effect of your legal advice. And that can be the most interesting. And, and it also involves problem solving and working with different teams. And I think just a couple of months of that, if you can get that type of work experience, can make your confidence grow so much more and can make you such a better lawyer 
even if you you don't you don't even realize the sort of skills you can pick up and do that you, you don't have to choose that forever you know or you don't have to choose the law firm model you know uh, as the only model kind of move between the two which i i found really kind of brings up your game it, it really helps you develop as a lawyer and especially in these times where you know if you're isolated you know from the commercial work in your studies to even even volunteer or do a couple of hours with a real business even if it's online to see how things work in practice can be really really valuable i think the other thing i would say in your early stage of your career if you have a, a goal or a dream or ideal or what you really would love to do it's just go for it and don't just sit around somewhere in a job you know being told well you should be grateful to have this job you know <laughs> that could turn into five years of being in the wrong job in the wrong place so you know move if you're not happy even if everyone's telling you you should be so grateful to be where you are if you're something that really inspires you or drives you you'll probably do better with that certainly <laughs> <laughs> definitely always good to follow your passion that's what I'm hearing from you, Neve. So yeah, thank you for that. <laughs> You've clearly got a huge wealth of knowledge uh, to share. So where can our listeners connect with you online? Oh, um, they can contact me on the Area Grace Law website or on LinkedIn. Probably easiest the Area Grace Law website. You've got my email address there, my picture. Well, <laughs> the email address is fine. And it's got my phone number on that as well. Thank you, Neve. And is there anything that you would uh, like to add before we close out today? Anything else you, want, you would like to say to any, everyone listening at home? Oh, well, keep safe and hopefully we'll have a, a better world in 2021. And um, yeah. Um, yes, uh, I think we're all certainly hoping for that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. Yeah, no, thank, thank you so much for coming on today, Neve. Yeah, thank you everyone for listening. We will catch you all in the next episode.